Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. This weekend, or week, whatever it is, uh, I got Dave Shields, of course, and Matt Costa once again. Uh, last weekend, we all went to Hartford. I'm not going to say we all played in Hartford, uh, but, you know, we were all there. It was a good time. I had fun. But first, uh, do you have to talk about our sponsor, Heavy Play? Dave, you were, you were using some Heavy Play gear, yes? Yeah, you did all weekend. I actually got a bunch of comments on it, too, which was great. That's what I found, too. How was it? Tell me about it. I liked it. Um, I used I didn't use the sleeves this weekend. I used the play mat and the deck box and the dice thing. Um, I love the play mat. My main gripe and like minor slight hesitation here is like I found I needed to slightly adjust my setup overall just because like the bag I normally use, it just like doesn't fit great in. Yep. That, 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 that's fair. That is so fair. Um, but but I like it enough that I'm working on changing the bag out, not the play mat. Yeah. No, exactly. So. Uh, I also found that when I was using this stuff, people would be like, yo, that's really cool. Like, you know, what is that? But anyway, uh, Heavy Play uh, is a card gaming accessories brand, uh, except they try to do things a little bit different. They try to elevate the products, make them sturdier, make them last longer. They're quality products. Uh, Dave's been using them. I've been using them. Uh, they, they've been very, very good. I am definitely going to post uh, some more stuff, uh, some more pictures, like images, gifts, whatever, on socials when we post the podcast. But otherwise, you want to check their stuff out for yourself. Uh, you can go to heavyplay.com. Uh, they are on all the social media sites at Heavy Play LLC. Uh, definitely follow them on the socials. They are constantly trying to like refine their products, come up with new products. And so keep track of that stuff, see what they come out with. And uh, they're also going to be at a bunch of upcoming events with a booth and everything. So if you want to just go demo the products and everything, like they're, they're going to be there for you too. Uh, also, we have a code, G3RRYT, gets you 10% off, which is pretty nice. That's not bad. Using that code definitely helps us out too. So uh, you're here already, you're listening to us. You probably like us at least a little bit. Maybe you like Matt, maybe you don't like me or Dave, which is fine, but you know. I'll I'll break Matt off a little piece. I promise. I did I did buy you dinner, Matt. That's true. I uh I don't necessarily think that I there's a class of person that that likes me, but not either of you. Oh, I disagree. We can talk about off the podcast though, if you want. So yeah, I don't think we want to go there. No, we don't. <laughs> um, I did not play the main event, and I had a good weekend. And I know that y'all are both going to yell at me, so I want you to get it out of your system right now. I am not. I didn't yell at you. I I did. I let you go on this one for whatever that's worth. I'm not gonna say scotch free, but I went easier on you. I mean, easier. But yeah. here's the thing, man. It's either it's it's binary. You're either supportive or you're not, and you still weren't. So, like, you might as well just go as hard on me. No, I don't. I don't see it that way. I see it as positive encouragement. I want you to want to play. The last thing I want is you to play and not be interested in it. So, I am trying to motivate you to want to play. Um, but given Not that we have a bigger event next week, that was the one I'm, that I was like, I'm putting my eggs in that basket. Right. So, um, I think it was a reasonable week to sit out and there was a lot going on this weekend too. So Dave, you want to know how much I want to go to Denver this weekend for the RC. So much so that I actually booked two flights to Denver. See, that makes me so happy. Why you I, found, I found that out today. I canceled one of them. What? Oh, not intentionally. You just re- <laughs> no, no, not intentionally. I think I booked one a while ago, and then it got closer and closer to Denver, and I was like, I definitely did not book for that yet. I should book. 
Hopefully they were both Delta, so you got an easy refund. It's always Delta, baby. Like, yeah. I I cancel it. They're like, well, you can't get your cash back because you didn't pay us the 10% or whatever, but we'll give you Delta credit. I'm like, that's the same as cash. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. fine. So that's that's where I am, Dave. I want to go so bad. I made sure that I my flight was booked twice. You I happy? I appreciate that, Jerry. I am happy. But I it's can't... not just for me. It's for everybody. You say that, but I I didn't play last weekend. No one seemed to care. Except you. People care. And Jerry. me. No. Oh, and Matt. Well, okay, Matt. Let's go. Let's let's hear your side. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I you you warned me that you were considering not playing. I did my best to encourage you. I physically brought your deck to the event site with me on Saturday morning and that wasn't enough. So that's kinda all I could do. You also let me stay at your place and everything. That's true. Let me let me meet your cats. Awesome. Yeah, what were your, what were your thoughts on the cats? Oh, the the cats are wonderful. Uh, we were, <laughs> Dave. I'm gonna have to talk to you about this later. This this TFT bet that me and Matt were trying to make, but uh, it it came down to like we're we're trying to figure out what the wager is gonna be, and I almost jokingly suggested one of Matt's cats, and I was like, no, that's too much. That is a a price too much. You yeah, know? that's way too high. It could yeah. be the naming rights to his next cat. Ooh, we could do that. I mean, the problem is you're probably negotiating with the wrong person because let's be real, they're not Matt's cats. True. But it so at that point, the bet kind of changes to where I don't actually get to name the cat, but I do get to make it so Anna gives Matt a bunch of crap. That's fair. And you could potentially take Matt's 45% of the vote in the name for the next cat. Fair. No, I could do that. Anyway, uh, your cats, your cats are wonderful, Matt. I, I, I saw you with them for like two half days or whatever. It is clear that you love them both very much. They're both very happy, and that makes me happy. And I will come back and visit them anytime. I, I would love to have you back anytime. I think, uh, I think the cats enjoyed your company. I know I enjoyed your company. Um, I, we had a really good weekend. It was, uh, you know, this is. This is the most hometown I think I have ever had a Magic tournament. The site was eight minutes from my house, and everyone stayed here. So, Damn. yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was kind of great. Yeah, that is, that is nice. And, like, there, there is just a good crew in that area, you know? And it, certainly a lot of that has to do with y'all's friend group and me genuinely liking all of those people, right? But... I had no shortage of good people to to hang around with this weekend. It was awesome. Yeah, Connecticut Magic seems underrated, for sure. Apparently. I didn't know. I don't think I've ever been to Connecticut. And this is with Ross not even showing up, right? Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I think Ross has, has revoked his Connecticut rights at this point. It's I, been, I would agree it, with We're that. past the statute of limitations on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm in for that. I would agree with that. But I will say, so I think, Jerry, you and I have been to like, I don't know, four or five, six of these Star City things now. I think I've been to six of them since COVID. This is the first one I've been at that I think exceeded expectations from an attendance perspective. I didn't even look at the numbers. What are we looking at? Because I didn't look at the counts of the overall tournaments. All I know is they ran out of tables in the convention yeah. center and they had to cancel events or slow events down because they didn't have enough seats. They did. Uh, yeah. So there, there were Flesh and Blood events. There were Lorcana events. Uh, obviously there's the magic stuff going on Saturday, Sunday, two different 10 K's, uh, a bunch of pre-release stuff for murders, the new set and everything. And 
Yeah, the place was packed. It was bumping, man. It was bumping. Yeah, we couldn't even sit down. We had friends show up, and we're like, there's three of us. We're just looking for two tables next to each other. Couldn't find one. Had to go outside. Yeah, can't do it. Uh, I mean, y'all got to sit in the feature match area, at least when you were playing. So Yeah. Well, I got I got I got evicted for the second day because of poor performance. But no uh, way. No, I evicted myself. Okay. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we ne- neither of us uh, neither of us did that for the second day, which I th- I think worked out well because we didn't really win any matches on on Sunday, um, and we were replaced by two people who made top eight, okay. which is sweet. Huh. Yes, Harlan and Snook replaced us, and then they both topied it. Also, both played sweet decks. So, tell me, tell me how sweet, how good are they? I mean, they, so what's funny too is uh, Harlan's loss in the Swiss was to Snook, but they were both playing different Death Shadow decks. And um, yeah, I think we're going to end up spending a lot of time talking about Death Shadow maybe over the next 30 minutes and the next three days. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah, both events were modern. Uh, Harlan's deck, for the record, was straight Rakdos, a lot of creatures. Massive amount of creatures. Yeah, can, uh, we, can we call it Death Shadow Scam? It is Scam. It is yeah. it is Grief, four Not Deads. The rest of the spells are four Thoughtseize, I think three Lightning Bolt, two Terminate. Yep, and he has the Dothy. Like, so he basically has the creature package-ish from the normal Scam deck, but then he has Inties in the main deck and Death Shadows, and then he played the Bowmasters in the sideboard. Inti Street Wraith, combo deck. Oh my gosh, it looked awesome. Like, when it works and when it lines up, it just looks sweet. You're popping off. The The problem I have with Harlan's deck is it has stuff like Stalactite Stalker in it. Oh, I This is why I said when it lines up. Because I watched a couple of games where the Stalker looked awesome. But, like, you know, the stars align. Yeah, I'm sure there, there are going to be a couple games, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he did make top eight, not to poo-poo the deck or anything. But uh, today... I did a pretty deep dive, pretty thorough deep dive into various Death Shadow decks. I currently am looking at six of my own different versions, and some are kind of out there, right? Uh, but I did get kind of the download on this Rakdos deck because there were versions that were pretty similar that were popping up on Magic Online, and a lot of the ones that I saw were ones that were going like 5-4 and like 2-3 in challenges, you know? So I guess the deck has kind of been around. I don't know who encouraged Harlan to play it or whatever, but the results on Moto did not seem that good. And granted, the lists were a little bit different, but still. Yeah. Listen, I think Inti is just like kind of a hot card right now, and people are, I think, rightfully so, trying to find as many different homes for that as they can and explore that. I think that's that probably makes a lot of sense. There's probably something to that. Uh, but I'm with you on like, my biggest problem with all these different decks is they're so far away from being like well tuned and they're playing against a bunch of other decks that are incredibly refined. Yep. Right. So like we talk about Rhino's deck list and we're arguing about like what the last two lands should be and like what the 14th and 15th sideboard card should be. Whereas these other decks were like, you know, there's only 30 cards. Everybody agrees on the next 30 are very up in the air. Yeah. With my friend a couple of days ago, I was like, we just spent, a few minutes debating like the third Magus of the moon or whatever, you know, it's yeah. like we have nothing else to go over. Yeah. So I, I feel like if modern was going to be around in the state that it's currently in for the next four months, that like if some of these shadow decks can get refined to that point, there might be something there. But if I'm being really honest, that's what makes me nervous about them is that it's a tough 
competition as far as how refined they are. So the the archetype itself needs to be like well enough positioned in the metagame to like kind of make up for the fact that you're you're almost guaranteed to not have a perfectly optimal seventy five. True, and it's it Unless is also Jerry weird. Thompson. It it is also weird too because MH three comes out not that long after, right? Yeah, so like so ROI on the time is not super high. Not super high. If you're if you're playing in Denver, cool. Uh, also, I, yeah, I got to mention this real quick, I guess, because if you are qualified for Denver, I did tweet this, but you have to actually go on Melee and confirm your registration. Everyone is pre-registered, but you have to hit confirm. If you actually want to join the tournament. I haven't done this yet. I'm going to do it live. You should do that. Uh, also, someone in my comments pointed out that if you find that you are not pre-registered, Probably time to fix that, you know, not not Saturday morning of the tournament. So, yeah, just PSA there for all the folks. And then uh, Snook was the other shadow player in top eight playing like kind of traditional Grixis, I guess. Uh, Definitely traditional Grixis. Yeah, I, it's so weird to me because I, I wasn't like 100% fully on this deck, but I was always paying a little bit of attention to it and... When Ledger Shredder came out, for example, it was like, oh, okay, well, now all the Shadow decks are just playing a bunch of Ledger Shredders. And then there was like the window in time where Underworld Breach was the thing that all of these Rakdos decks were doing. But yeah, Snook's deck is, is not doing any of that stuff. He's not doing the Grief Scam stuff. It's just some Drowns and Iterations and Shadows, and that's it. Yeah, and for whatever it's worth, and I, I think rightfully Snow, Snook basically... Cop- looked at a couple of different shadow lists that had done well on Magic Online the week before, and most of his time went into learning the deck and deciding which version of the deck to play, and less so on like what list. Does okay. that make sense? Right. Why did he want to play Shadow? I, I think he was probably in a ver- relatively similar place to me of like he had been playing nothing but Scam and didn't want to play Scam, and he was basically just like looking for almost anything else to play. Okay. He also has like a weird obsession with Stern Scolding right now. I mean, it's really good. It's, I, maybe it's not as weird as I say weird. Uh, yeah. So he's well, like, it, it's weird for the Rakdos guy to be like, "Wow, this blue counter spell is looking real nice." Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I think he just like kept losing to Rhinos over and over again and Yogmoth over and over again. So the two cards he wanted to play were like one mana blue counter spell, spell piercer, fluster storm, and uh, stern scolding. Okay. Um, it's just weird to me of like if you go into starting to look at deck lists with those cards, like I feel like landing on one of the blue black versions that was like maybe playing Snapcaster Mage a little grindier, kind of like maximizes those cards maybe a little bit more or better. If yeah, but like, those those decks are so much worse. Yeah, exactly. So he I think looked at it, played a, a little bit with one of those lists, played a little bit with one of these lists, picked this one. I only cha- only ended up changing like two or three cards himself, but I think the cards he did change were smart. Um, and I think that it was reasonably close. Um the big thing I told him after after we, Matt and I watched a whole bunch of his games, um, I, it, it felt surprising to me that he didn't have anything that really interacted or utilized his own graveyard. So he didn't have yeah. Merc Tide because he was playing Gigantha. And then he didn't have that any copies of Breach either. Um, and obviously, you can't just add Breach without like changing a couple of other things. But I, I think doing something or moving the deck in that direction is kind of what he was thinking and talking about after. So the old lists generally played one Croxa main and I think another in the board, which I think is fine. And then there's also stuff just like Gurmeg Angler is a fine magic card, you know? Yeah. And and both of those cards also still enable Gigantha, which was also being played in the old Ledger Shredder list, right? Yeah. But there are also just a lot of things that you can do now where maybe you don't want to play Gigantha. Like, what if you want access to Street Wraith because you want to play a couple Inties? Because 
indeed does the kind of team or battle rage thing where it can give your death shadow trample too. So, uh, I don't know. How, how was Gigantha? I saw him kill somebody with it for whatever that's worth. Um, and like, I think five, five is like reasonably well lined up in the format against, you know, Rhino specifically. Um, but I, I can't imagine it's something that you'll miss very much. Yeah. Matt, how did you feel about Snook's performance? Were, did you feel inspired? Were you trying to shadow people? I, I'm honestly not really sure what to think. Um, I have... I There's this concept that I feel like I've encountered in Magic a bunch, which is the idea of like a well-positioned bad deck. Um, and, and that's Those are my kinda, favorite. That's kind of what I think these Death Shadow decks are. Like, they just, I, I think they're just a little behind the times in modern and like the overall power level and synergy of the way the cards relate together just like doesn't feel good enough to me. But you catch it on the right weekend. And it still can do really well in the tournament. And so, you know, I know that one of one of the things that we had been talking about in the leading up in the week leading up to the tournament was no one's playing solitude right now. And that's a really good reason to play Death Shadow. I also think that, you know, leaning more aggressive and disruptive and having big creatures on the ground that block 4-4 rhinos, like all of that stuff feels like a little bit of a perfect storm for why this deck would be good. And so it doesn't surprise me that people did well with it. And I I think that I doubt enough is going to change before Denver to make that like really that different. So it's still probably a deck you can play, but I also kind of just think it's a bad deck. Yeah, this might be one of those decks that is good against the majority of the top decks, but probably really struggles against the other category. And I do think that RCs in general tend to have a flatter metagame spread than like a Pro Tour would, for example. So it is it is kind of risky, kind of dangerous, but I like this stuff. And when when did I... Toppy Vancouver was shadowed like 2017 or something. I don't know. No, it was it was like 2015. It was a You're out of my wheelhouse on this one. I don't remember this one. And like the deck is not that different. Yeah, it so, hasn't gotten that many upgrades. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Rhino has somehow got like the best upgrade from every set for the last six sets in a row. So uh yeah, I think that's fine though. You know? Yeah. It is it is now Death Shadow's time to shine. MH3, let's go. Yeah, it I agree. I can't wait for MHD. Can we just do a small plug on like, holy shit, the surveil lands in the Rhinos deck are so good. Like, you can't. I, yeah, that, that's like one of my like big takeaways from the weekend. It's like I was just blown away at how good I knew they I, I thought in Rhino specifically they would be good. That's I think their their cleanest home for them. And I was just like really impressed with how good they were. And um, I saw multiple people playing two of them and wishing they had more. Can can I also do an anti-plug for those lands and shoving them in every deck? Yeah, not because, in every deck. Because and, that is not correct. Yeah. And you hate you hate low land counts and tap lands, I think, more than anybody I know. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think just 
adding them in over a shock land or randomly into mana bases is a mistake. But I think that like they more likely than not will find their way into a lot of decks over the next six months or a year. And um, I wouldn't do it lightly, but I, I do think that like basically every deck in modern should be considering them and trying to figure out if there's a way to make them work. I think we're going to end up on opposite sides of this one. I think they're busted. Every deck with fetch lanes should have one in it. I think it'll be really interesting to see who's on the right side of history with this one, but I expect that it's me. Yeah. How often do you draw your one? Pretty often. And it was always like, like, this is fine. We can make it work. Yeah, it's just totally fine. Okay. No, fair. I mean, like, I, mean I, I think a lot of decks have been dealing with that with try lands for a while now, where you have these lands where, like, drawing them is really bad. Yeah. Um, people just, like, play three in creativity. They play two in Omnath. It does not make any sense to me. Yeah, I think people... play people, Castle Vantress all the time with, like, six islands. I don't get it, man. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. No, yeah, and so I, I think where I'm at with it is I... I think that it is very often going to be wrong to play the second one i think people are probably going to overplay the second one and underplay the first one the, like the, i the, the first one is just so good the problem to me is and like the the reason certainly why i don't feel comfortable advocating for them in every single deck is that in addition to people playing too many tap lands in general they also play too few lands so when you're like then cutting ETB on tap lands for tap lands, it's a much bigger issue. Whereas I think you could debate whether or not Rhino should play 21 or 22. But once you say, well, I definitely want to play two surveil lands. Okay, play 22 land. I have no issue with it. Yeah. You know, now I think a, you have a functional a deck. It's great. Yeah. It's a great way to add half a land to your deck, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And the way you add half a land to your deck is by cutting a spell for one of these. So yeah. if in the dark, like if you're looking at a deck that doesn't play one of these, cut a spell, not a land. Yeah. yeah. So the the thing that offends me, I guess, is the idea that you should take a normal mana base that used to work and then cut a fetch land for one of them or whatever. Because I'm like, that is not the same thing. Yeah. Proceed with caution. But that, that's why I think that like how you make it work is going to need to be figured out. And there's some decks that it's easier to do in than others. Um, but I do think they're going to find a home in the majority of decks. I will say that of my six Death Shadow deck list, there are zero of those cards in my deck. And I, well, I, I think that's a very unique place where like the Shocklands are sometimes an advantage to pay life on. Sure. But I, like, if I was playing Murktide, for example, I would also not play one. Yeah. I think Murktide should probably have one. But Matt, I think Matt, okay. Matt, you're just auto yesing every time. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I again, I would probably cut a spell for it. Okay, but I think, I mean, we're talking about a deck that oftentimes passes with mana that it may or may not end up using, and a deck that synergizes with adding cards to your graveyard and plays a pile of fetch lands. It just, yeah. it just feels weird to not play it. You can look at it that way. I look at it like this is a deck where you don't have a power spike where all the other top decks in the format do have a power spike. And I mean, technically they do. It's like Murktide region is supposed to be their power spike. Right. But like in terms of like, which is the most powerful thing, that one is definitely at the bottom. And yeah. because of that, you basically have to use your mana every turn. 
in order to be able to compete with these decks. And then you're talking about adding things like ETB tap lands and like not using your mana. And it's like, I, I could see why you would say that it is correct to play it because of graveyard stuff or whatever. But in, in my mind, I need to spend that mana, not, not get like a little value when I'm just going to lose two turns later. But I do agree that that cutting a spell for it is is correct because that's also part of the problem is like a lot of Merktide decks have 18 lands. Some have some have 19. And if you draw an opening hand, like someone posted a hand on Twitter that was like Island, uh, the Surveil land, and it was like DRC and some cantrips or whatever. And it's just like, like you lose, right? Because that's not a fetch land or a steam vents or whatever it could have been. Yeah, I'm I'm in no way advocating for just like blindly cutting the steam vents and adding a surveil land, but there's also like no way I would register a Murktide deck tomorrow without one of the surveil lands in it. I mean, there might be no way I'd register a Murktide deck, period, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, I mean it, it seems like like a lot of a lot of the criticisms there are ab- about like Murktide as a deck more than it is about whether or not this well, card should go in the deck. So I, I brought up Murktide as the not Death Shadow example because I feel that they are similar in that they have to use their mana every turn, at least in like the first three to four turns of the game. And Dave's point though, like, well, dummy, you are going to fetch a Shockland is correct, right? So I had to find an analog that was not trying to do that. Yeah. And and I think and I also so, do I also yeah. do think there's a real difference between a two color deck and a three color deck when we're talking about this, right? Uh yeah, I mean it is much easier for a two color deck to do this, right? It's close. I don't know. I don't know that it's that obvious. Well, it's definitely not obvious because all three of us have different opinions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's so funny that it, the the like the options are basically like yes or no, and yeah, we have three different opinions. Yeah, I would say everybody should try them. Do not just blindly cut a shockland for them. But like they are powerful and worth exploring and people should think harder about their mana bases. And in this more modern era of people being, I think, more lazy than historically on their deck lists, I think on their mana bases, they're even more so. Yeah. And I would encourage everybody to take a long, hard look at their mana bases and learn how to build them. I feel like a lot of the modern decks, the ones that I'm thinking of kind of operate like a, they feel like a land light, you know? Like, you could debate going from 18 land in Murktide to 19, and a few people have done that. And same thing with, like, 21 to 22 in Rhinos, and, like, 24 to 25 in Creativity. Every Omnath deck I see has 22 land for some reason. And so I do think playing a Surveil land in those sorts of decks where you get to, like, play the right land count, but you're cutting a spell, so if you naturally draw it, it's not actually punishing you because it was never going to be an untapped land in the first place. Yeah. I, I think that is all well and good. It's just like, if you take a deck that is already running like a low land count and you do it, then it is it is a recipe for disaster. So I am, am not going to play it in my shadow deck. If I was like Rakdos beat down, no shadow, I would still not play it. But I don't know. Two years from now, I'll be the only one. I'll just be like, yeah, I don't want to spend the $6 or whatever. They're either going to be $2 or 20 Jerry. No, I know. I know. And I also bought at least one blue-red one. I think I bought a red-green one for, like, the loam deck or something. I don't know. Whatever. I bought two and Matt stole them unknowingly. Smart. Good job, Matt. What did I do? 
I bought two of the surveillance for Chase, and they're in your deck, and he gave it back to you. Oh, yeah. Well, one, it sounds like those are mine. And <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you bought them for me. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 they will be coming to Denver, so I think we'll be okay there. Yeah, fair. So, Dave, play Creativity. Matt played Yogmoth. You both played the same thing each day? Yeah. Most of that was out of we had a lot of fun things to do Saturday afternoon and night and good hangs, and it was easier to just re-register, for me at least. Yeah. Rather go to dinner. Y- y'all were Cuban and, and whatnot, and who wants to sit down and like think about a deck list and get cards and stuff? Yeah. I would have if I just like had anything I wanted to switch to. I'll say I begrudgingly played creativity two days in a row. I played five rounds of magic. I won one of them. Four out of the five were against rhinos. And then the icing on the cake was I was eliminated by an Orvar, which was just mind-boggling to me that people still play that card. But let me tell you, it got me good. I I, I don't think people still play it. I think they played it like just for you. Yeah, they got you me know? good. They got me good, man. Yeah. And that was um I can't remember his name. He went on to finish he lost in the finals of the tournament. Oh, nice. And lost he, so he eliminated he beat me and then eliminated Snook in the top 8. So, he got our friend group really good. He got me with the Orvar. He's been living rent-free in my head for the last 48 hours. <laughs> um, so yeah. So you are you are just terrified of playing creativity and death. Well, listen, the Rhinos matchup, I, I have like invested and devoted like the entire 75 of the deck to try to be as good as possible against Rhinos. And even when I do that, I still feel like the matchup is still really hard. Yeah. And then he has Orvar. And it's just like, this is just, come on, man. Yeah, the great thing about whenever I played creativity, it was never at a time when people played Orvar. I've just never had to even think about that card. Well, when people played Orvar, it was usually at least from the decks that had bad creativity matchups. Yeah. Right? But like, so when the matchup is like incredibly difficult to begin with, and then you add this, like I already am like, you know, fighting on the slimmest of margins to begin with. So um, it just, you know, sometimes the universe is stacked against you and that, that is exactly how it felt to me. Well, man, how was Yoggers? Yeah, I mean, I had I had a much more reasonable experience. Um, I went four and two on Saturday. Uh, lost to um, you know, some really good draws out of a scam deck, and then uh, including Brian's brother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> lost to Justin. Um, the, the other Gottlieb. The other Gottlieb got scammed, um, and uh, and then lost a close match to to Blue Black Death Shadow, where I, I really lost to to a turn three big Merktide Regent two games in a row, um, and then yeah, day two, uh, went one and two, lost to Prowess, the sort of like blue red wizards Prowess deck with the um. The adventure druid questing druid yeah questing druid and then lost to like a very traditional blue white control deck you know narset gyre reach sanitarium lots of basics blue white um and so but but i beat rhinos a bunch honestly that my matches made that matchup feel kind of easy i've heard from other people that 
Yawgmoth against Rhinos can be kind of hard from the Yawgmoth side, so don't really know what to do with that information exactly. Um, yeah, the the deck felt exactly reasonable. Like I, I think it's a deck that you're allowed to register. It didn't feel super ahead of the field. It also felt like I played against a lot of opponents who were at least reasonably prepared for it in terms of, you know, everyone who could would randomly throw in a curse totem now and again, which like honestly isn't I don't think is as much of an unbeatable card as people make it out to be, but it's just like one more annoying thing that you have to deal with. Yep. How um, good is Soul Cauldron? Soul Cauldron is unbelievable. I think you are you are a Soul Cauldron deck that happens to play Yogmoth. Yeah. Um it I don't know. It's it's awesome. It's also just such a fun card. I won I won some ridiculous games, you know, where I beat a burn player because I just had Soul Cauldron with my one of Gilded Goose exiled and was just like making a bunch of food every turn. <laughs> um, and like, just, you know, like I, I love finding weird little interactions and, and spots like that. Um, you know, I got paired against Tron and we played a 20 turn game where I, I think I blew up like eight or nine of her Tron pieces over the course of the game. And it, I, you know, with Fulminator Mage. And so, um, yeah, I think Cauldron's really powerful, also really fun. Uh, and with that said, I would say that my my biggest complaint about the Yawgmoth deck right now is just the way that Orcish Bowmasters has forced you to build the deck because of of how much it pushes Ignoble Hierarch out of out of being a card that you can play a lot of. Um, well, to be honest, your Gilded Goose sounded like kind of an all-star after talking to you a couple times over the course of the weekend. Yeah, and then and then I played more with it and like had a couple of games where I had to mulligan because it wasn't a real mana dork. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So so like I didn't hear about those games. I think I think you caught me. You asked me about it after a couple of rounds and it had been great, and then it kind of went downhill from there. You're like um, beat burn, could have used it to like uh chump a murktide region off a cord or whatever and like buy you a turn you know yeah and and that stuff was all totally reasonable and i but it you know i don't know that the fact that i i mulliganed i think two one land hands with a gilded goose and that just really didn't feel good and so i think the spot that yawgmoth is in right now that's that's sort of really problematic is that the there is not a good second one mana dork after delighted halfling and that is just where the deck gets so much of its power is getting out ahead on mana and so not being able to do that reliably with a card that you actually want to put in your deck is like creates a really difficult tension point for the deck i think well, I have, I have two things to soft sell you on. Number one, Arboreal Grazer. You and I talked about this a little bit. Uh, Arboreal Grazer, as you mentioned, also could have fulfilled the Gilded Goose role of like chump blocking Murktide, which is kind of great. We have 22 or 23 lands for the record. We changed the composition of the deck. Yeah, this that's more what I'm saying. This is like yeah. fundamental. Yeah, I get this is the same thing as just like, oh, add a surveil land to my deck. You cannot simply add 
our yeah. little grazer or two or 22 land. Yeah. The surveillance is definitely going to be in the deck if we're playing grazer. Well, actually, <laughs> actually, it might not be because I think you have to play some Golgari rot farm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I love me a Golgari, a fair Golgari rot farm for whatever it's worth. But yeah, the, the ones in Amulet don't count, man. No, know? they don't. No, that's not. I don't like that. The but. ones that are casting Death Cloud, those are okay with me. Yeah, dude, it was my favorite Living Wish target, and like all the Living Wish decks for years, always played like a Lanowar waste, and seeing them get to move that oh, to a bounce no. land was just amazing. Oh no! Oh, this okay. is like back like OG when those when the bounce lands got printed. Yeah, I have like a vivid memory of like a player meeting for a Grand Prix with like people yelling at each other across the room because they figured out the bounce lands were like had just come out like a few weeks ago, so they were like freshly legal. And they like figured out during the player meeting to cut it, to huh. cut land or waste for it in the Living Wish deck. And now, I was one of them. If you're casting Living Wish for a land, I kind of want to get two lands. I definitely want two lands. And it's usually going to be on turn three after I brick on my third land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it is, it, it is really nice. That is a great interaction. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is. I, I actually don't want to sell you on this because I think not everyone is going to be there, but I think enough people are getting to the point where they are shaving bowmasters, they are cutting bowmasters, right? Please cut them. It is it is very close to the point where Ignoble can actually make a return, but we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah I think people and- are going to play them longer than they should. Well, yeah, I think that time has passed, and now people are finally starting to cut them. This probably should have happened like three weeks ago, because nothing has really changed in that time pe- time period. It's also awkward because the bowmaster is the best card. It's it is against is other bowmasters. Yes. So, like, if other people aren't cutting them, it makes me, even though I know it's right to cut them, le- want to cut them less. <laughs> so it's like a really weird dichotomy. Well, none of my shadow decks have several lands. None of them have Bowmasters. Yeah, that makes me happier. And I don't know. I'll give my Shadow Trample with my Inti or whatever. Buying or selling Bowmaster, Matt? I think, I mean, I think right, I think right now I'm selling it. Uh, Just, you know, not, not very good against the, what I would consider like sort of the standout decks to beat right now. Um, and you know the the decks that it's at its best against, I, I think, are rightfully going down in popularity. Right, things like Merktide. Uh, I think, especially for a tournament like the RC, where I would expect the field is going to be compressed amongst the top decks. I think I would I would probably lean away towards playing bow, uh, lean away from playing a lot of Bowmasters or playing it in general. I, I think, obviously, the more open the field is the better it gets because it's it's probably generally pretty good against random decks. That is true. The other category is going to be larger than in a lot of tournaments, right? But well, I think a lot of it is going to be things that are maybe like one ring adjacent more so than like X1 creatures. So is is that good or bad for you? I don't know. I, I think the format, the metagame at the RC is going to be more condensed than an RCQ, but maybe less condensed than a Pro Tour would be. Fair. I don't know. I mean, when you get to like the seventh best deck in modern, it's like 3% of the metagame, right? So 
Yeah. I heard somebody this weekend or last say that like the the way modern has evolved more recently is basically all the tier two decks disappeared and there's basically tier one decks and tier three decks now. That kind of resonated with me. But uh yeah. I I don't know. I mean I don't feel like th- like there's pretty clearly a top crop of decks, right? And then there are decks that are kind of right below it where you know that they're going to show up in some numbers to where you have to be prepared for them. Yeah. And I don't think that there is that much different from scales compared to Yawgmoth. It it is just like a printing away from being as good as Yawgmoth. So to me, that's kind of weird. And like, Whenever scales top eights a tournament, you don't you don't bat an eye at it, right? But like if if angels top eights like some pioneer thing or whatever, you're like, what the hell? Fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the other thing is like I I think the metagame is compressed certainly, and you know, there's there's some some popular decks like rhinos, and everyone knows those decks are good. They have reasonably good matchup spreads. They're not like super obviously weak to one thing have game against everything with that said like it feels kind of like the some of the least oppressive set of best decks we've had in modern in a long time like i don't think the existence of like rhinos really drastically warps the way like people are building their decks you know, like yeah. I, I think it, it 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 puts certain makes certain things a little bit better than others, and you know, you it influences like the type of interaction you want to have in your sideboard, or like you know the size of the creatures you want to put in your deck or whatever. But it doesn't it doesn't feel format warping to me in the way that even like a few months ago when everyone was playing scam that did, and so. It's funny to me that we're talking about a version of modern that has evolved to be kind of compressed, but my instinct is that it's probably a lot more wide open and that the gap between the best decks and the tier three decks is, if anything, closer than ever, because none of the like really good decks strike me as being anything special. Yeah, I think that that's fair. And for whatever it's worth too, I think rhinos is a great best deck to have it is uh, i'd certainly rather be building to beat rhinos than building to beat scam or, or tron or something for example. or amulet i or couldn't amulet. agree more yeah. yeah it's frustrating how many zero cost spells they have it's frustrating when they play like you know turn three rhinos turn four rhinos with like multiple free spells but like it is so much better than these other decks and the reason i really like rhinos is because i think rhinos being the best deck is because i think what if you want to make your sideboard better against them with pretty much any archetype, it's pretty clear what you should do. Yep. Right? Like, I don't, and I think that I, the number of Chalice of the Voids and Engineered Explosives, like, was not nearly as high as I expected it to be. Yeah, I don't understand why it's like this two and two number. And it's like, oh, that that's it. That's all I'm giving them. Well, I, yeah, I can't believe, like, you know, four months ago, people were playing, like, the same count, or maybe they're plus one. Whereas, like, you know, I left this, and, like, listen, I'm in a unique position, I guess. I played four out of my five rounds were against rhinos. Sure. Um, but it is, it's like three times as popular as it was pre-ban. Yeah. And it's still like, you know, doing well and winning. Like, so. Correct. Uh, yeah. 
Well, and you just name cards that have been ubiquitously playable in modern. Yeah, and those cards right, have like overlap sh- against other decks, right? Like so they're not many other just, decks. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the counts of those cards is still pretty low, and um, it's surprised to not see them go up. Well, I I will say that neither of those cards necessarily beats the deck straight up. It, it's oh. not quite as bad as something like Thopter Depths, where they're just like, oh, I'm going to board in all these Path to Exiles or whatever, and then you your plan in game two was always Thopter Foundry or whatever. Yeah, well, the, I think that's it's even not, more, of the, more of the reason why it's surprising, because the first one's not good enough. Like, you need multiple. Yeah, no, and that, that's completely fair. It's just, like, Chalice is one of the best cards in the matchup to me, because you, you play it on whatever turn you want. Like, if I... It, so you play it, it gets forced, and then obviously the card you want then is the second copy, right? Yeah. That has to be lights out. Yeah. And... If you have the second copy, wait until the turn before they cascade to play it. Give them an extra turn to draw the Force Negation, right? And and do stuff like that. But it's just like, oh, I'll play my one copy or I'll keep an opener with explosives and then you just get it blown up by like Tidebinder or get it forced or something. And it's just like, oh, I just lost anyway. We'll play more of them. Yeah. Playing the, the Rhinos deck plays through the first piece of hate cards so easily. It's like barely a speed bump. I mean, I also think that people could play decks that are inherently good against rhinos it doesn't necessarily all have to hinge on your sideboard stuff yeah i I mean i think that's honestly to me that that feels like the way to beat rhinos is like play a deck where you don't really care when they put their first two four fours into play like that i think that is that's a huge part of it. And I played a couple of games with Yogboss, Yogbot this weekend where it was like, okay, they played some four fours and I have like a Yogboth with a plus one plus one counter on it and something else. And it's like, okay, like I you're gonna need a lot more than that. Um and you know, I think similarly the Death's Shadow stuff, um, you know, someone in, in one of our Discords made a comment that, you know, Snook's Death Shadow looked deck looked cool but like should he should he have had traverse and tarmogoyf in it because those are just like good cards to put it you know tarmogoyf's good to put into play against rhinos um and so i i think there's a lot to be said for just structurally building your deck where their their like big finish isn't quite enough and therefore they need to find the second thing which makes all of your little pieces of hate and disruption a little bit more valuable yeah, it changes who the onus is on, right? Because you, as the Chalice of the Void engineered explosives player playing Scam or whatever, it's just like, you got to keep up with them, right? But when, yeah, you're sitting there with like a 3-5 Yawgmoth and a bunch of other crap going on, well, they, they are the one that needs to present more things. Uh, looking at this most recent matchup chart that I've saved on my desktop that at this point is a little bit outdated. This went up till like middle of January. The only decks that Rhinos was sub 50% against were Living End, Hammer, and Burn. And then there were some 50%ers. Uh, Omnath and Yogmoth. Scam was 51%. Um, so, honestly, that crop of decks that is good against Rhinos is probably not very high, but still. Yeah, I have one with a pretty big spread on it i think maybe similar maybe the same one you're looking at the scales and hammer time decks being over 50 percent against it were surprising to me 
Um, like, but like Living End's the only thing that I think can like say it definitively beats it. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, Scale strikes me as a deck that's pretty good against about not caring about two four fours, right? Yeah. Um, Hammer. I don't know. I mean, Hammer's sort of interesting because it's it's probably like worse against the Rhino plan, but it can be very disruptive. Yeah, and I think they're like, and you can just build a big creature, which yeah, we established is like pretty difficult for them. And Rhinos has not had to deal with that to the point where they are not playing things like Brazen Borrower anymore. Like they have Dead Gone, sure, they have Subtlety, but they don't have as many ways to remove big things because the necessity just isn't there. And they have things like Flames or Dismember to kill medium sized things, but I don't know, like big Murktide hammer thing five six goyf like these are all pretty tough things for them to deal with five butts good right now yeah shadow scourge of the skyclaves if you want to go super deep with your stalactite stalker i don't know how how are we on that one i i don't mind like two scourges honestly but it would be hard to convince me to play scourge before like more inties or dothies or even bowmaster you know like that slot is very competitive now yeah so not a bad card but probably not probably not written in your notebook many times uh one time for strictly red black but certainly if i'm doing anything with a splash you're you're going to be able to find a better option than scourge fair but yeah if your plan is well four death shadows is not enough like four or five, six toughness things, like Scourge is the next best thing. Souls of the Lost is another thing that you can do, but that requires basically making your deck terrible, which I may or may not do for the RC. We'll see. I'm staying in a different place than Dave, so he can't stop me. Yeah. Listen, play like self-sabotage is fine, right? As long as you register and play. Okay. As long as you shuffle Noted. them up. Noted. All and I would ask for a good honest effort, right? But if you want to like swing for the fences I, well, with something, well, that's fine well, too. That is that's a big ask. A good honest effort dude i'm getting up in the morning i'm waking up to my alarm what that's an honest me? effort play to win the game and you can swing for the fences and take a gamble on something and that's fine the way i know that you're actually thinking i think like the last 10 or 15 times you've sent me like thoughts or deck lists it's either been screenshots or text and today i got a i got a i got a picture of the notebook which really means we're brewing yeah i knew i needed the space yeah and I did. But when, yeah, when I'm just like noodling on creativity or whatever, it's like, I can do this on my phone in Notepad, right? Yeah. Well, and I think that was kind of my point earlier of like how the lack of refinement around the shadow decks is what makes me like hesitant and nervous around them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going hard and like I know each of these sub builds of shadow very well, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think if I do end up playing shadow and I don't do something silly like Soul of the, Souls of the Lost, I think my list will be very good. It is just a matter of like what Matt said, where it's like, well, you are a tier two deck, which might feel like a tier three deck in a field of like tier zero decks. And also the other category is bad for you. So just like, what are we doing here? You know? Yeah. If you had to buy one deck for next week, that's not Rhinos. What would it I was be? Gonna, <laughs> I was going to say Rhinos. Um, Hmm. Well, that's like the least interesting debate in the world. If it's just like everyone's buying rhinos, rhinos has clearly proven it can still win even when it's the most popular deck and targeted. 
The question is, what is the second best performing deck? Can I play Burn? Burn has a pretty bad Rhinos matchup, but you can. I don't know. This has seven matches on it, the one that I'm looking at, which is not a lot. but The one I'm looking at has 75 of Burn versus Rhinos at 45%. 45% not bad. It's not as bad as I thought. But you want it spread across the board? 45, oh, no. 45 versus Rhinos, 40 against Yawgmoth, 29 against Murktide, 25 against Amulet. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about this one guys <laughs> honestly dude i can work with those numbers I like at least murktide's 47 against everything this seems to be like one of the only decks murktide beats if you want to play a deck where no one is going to have cards for you yeah play burn i mean it's chalice good against burn no no. Yeah, no, the, the, no, yeah. I don't know if you've been caught up to speed on this one, but this no, he clearly has not. Yeah, I, I have Chalice lore, yeah. and I will talk your ear off for like an hour about it. I've lost six hours of my life talking to Jerry about Chalice and Burn, and for the record, I agreed with him in the first thirty seconds. But then people kept coming up to me while you were there, and they're just like, "Oh, lost yeah. a Burn, boarded my Chalices." It felt it's, scripted, honestly. It was yeah. like comical. <laughs> Yeah, these these were paid actors, dude. Yeah. So I yeah. think I think I think I might have brought one in with Yogmoth. I don't but hate part, that. So the, the part first of my logic was that that you could proliferate it with uh with Yogmoth to like get it up to two later on. Which is, like which, is cute. which is where you do want it to be. Just so we're being clear, and which is part of the reason why I don't like it against Burn. Uh so that's reasonable, but it's also I don't know. I think it seems kind of tough to do that. No, like not die, sticky Yogmoth on tap with it, have time to proliferate. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They're they're forty percent against you. It probably doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah, probably not. Thirty. Thirty. Well Oh wait, sorry, forty against Yogg, yeah. That that's the thing, is like they are forty percent when Yogg is not bringing in Chalice and like wasting their time on it. Yeah. Or maybe they are and they could they could be better, right? We don't know where people's plans sure. are for sure here. Yeah. But I don't hate the first copy. I think one is like a, a lot more defensible than a lot of the conversations we were having. But I think in general, um, people should err on the side of no until they're really sure what they're doing. Uh, Omnath is the other one. Dave, did you play with the list I sent you? I haven't played with the list you sent me because I was playing a bunch of leagues today and I like did daycare drop off, played a bunch of leagues around lunchtime. And the modern leagues reset at 6 p.m. today. Uh, so if I, I like was nervous about registering a deck that can occasionally play a one-hour round Yeah, right before. So I played two leagues with uh, something relatively close to what Nassif has been playing, and I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, and I, I mean, I don't love it, but I, I'm not going to play Rhinos. And like, I'm, I'm like, I'm definitely not. If you can't beat him, join him camp. I'm going to go down swinging on this one. Why not? Um, why not play Rhinos? Um, I mean, I played, I've played five, six leagues with Rhinos in the last two weeks, and I did reasonably well. I just, it didn't, um, it's not something that if I'm on the plane ride home and I didn't do well in the event and I played Rhinos, I like, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't feel great. I feel like I don't want to fight the arms race of the mirror. And I feel like everybody should be playing more sideboard cards against Rhinos than they should be. And the last thing I want to do is jump on that bandwagon. I would never advise anybody else against it. It just wasn't for me. 
Yeah, but you know that they're not going to do that. So I know, I know, I like, I don't, I can't really tell you why. Uh, it makes me bored. No, of course, it man. doesn't bring out the best in me, and I don't but, think I'm a focused enough or strong enough player right now to be able to like play a deck that doesn't like engage with me. It's like playing a limited deck. Yeah, like, listen, if I was a professional Magic player, right, like, you, the expectation at that point is that you're going to play, like, nearly every deck at the top level, and, like, I'm not that. And, like, I don't find... I, I found myself, like, accidentally going on autopilot with Rhinos way too often. Yeah, because it's boring. Yeah. I totally understand that. And I... Yeah, and I don't I, I don't have any, like, strong arguments or reasoning for it other than that. And if somebody walked up to me and said, hey, I think I'm going to play Rhinos this week, and I'd be like, that's a great choice. It is a great choice. Right? Absolutely. But, like, I'm not going to. Well, Matt, what are you LCQing with? Wait, hold on. Get him to LCQ first. You got to get him to commit to that. Wait, what? Hold up. To be fair, the last two are, like, not wanting to LCQ is something I can sympathize with a lot because oftentimes you register for an LCQ and it doesn't start for four hours. Matt's fired immediately. I was the one whose LCQ did not fire for four hours. And Matt won his. So, Matt, show your work. What's going on here? I mean, I don't know. We're just we're we're, we're bringing uh, everyone's bringing their significant others. If there's something fun going on on Friday that sounds like more fun than playing Magic, I'm I that that is definitely something that's on the table for me. Man, I think 10 a.m. You win the first one, you can do the fun thing at night. That is true. Yeah. So maybe I should play something that goes fast, like Rhinos. I really wish I could get like Jerry's conscience, like pulled and arguing with himself about trying to talk himself into playing events like this. Um, <laughs> you realize that different people want different things, right? Yeah, I know. I want everybody to want to play Magic and to have fun playing Magic. And you absolutely cannot have fun playing Magic if you don't play. Yes, but I will have more fun playing Magic the next time I play if yeah. I do not play a lot in between. Yeah, which is why I don't fight you tooth and nail. I just fight you a little. All right, Matthew. Sorry, you were so rudely interrupted. Please continue. <laughs> so, so are you a- are you asking me what I would play? Yeah, I mean, I after this past weekend, I think the the most safe choice is clearly rhinos. I think that I would be open to playing Yogmoth again, but I would want to do some thinking about about the list, and I I think. You you made the you made the bowmaster going down comment like I wouldn't I wouldn't hate just taking the gamble that that's gonna come true, and like playing more ignoble hierarchs and just you know hoping that hoping that the decks with a lot of bowmasters also just don't do well in the tournament because it's not very good right now. Um, I I think the other the other deck I've been thinking a little bit about because. I lost to it in the tournament on Sunday. I think two copies made the top eight is Blue Red Prowess. Um, I think it has it has a lot of the same the same structural upsides as Burn, but obviously it's a breach deck, which is something that we also talked about being good right now. It gets to play Flame of Anor, which I think is an awesome card in the metagame. You have some interaction for rhinos. You have some really busted draws. Um, 
weirdly, like most of your card draw dodges Bowmaster because you have like iteration and questing druid. So I, I don't know. I think that deck has a lot of things going for it. I, I don't know if it's actually a good deck. I'm in. And, but but it 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 is interesting to me. And I it's I don't I realistically, if I end up playing it, it's probably gonna be without having played any games with it because uh got a busy day tomorrow working, got a pack and stuff, and then we're flying out on Thursday. Well, if you played with Monastery Swift Spear in your life. Yes. You'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I didn't it didn't look it didn't look that that complicated. I think the the question would be more like how how do I know what's a good list and how do I know what's not a good list? Well, I'm I'm looking for them right now. So I can is, I can is, do my best to steer you in the right direction. We'll see. Is this Niv Magus Elemental territory, Jerry? No. Okay. Just making the, sure. Those are different things. Well, we're playing Lava Dart, so they can't be wildly different. I would have loved to play Lava Dart in my Nymagus deck. Unfortunately, that was not allowed. And, uh, okay, so Nymagus okay. is Infect. Prowess is Heroic. Fair. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's Heroic, and then I think the reason that, like, Matt's comment almost gets me a little bit excited is because that I think Questing Druid is ridiculously good, especially in a deck where it's your only green card. And Breach is busted. So like this is a deck that has like some unfair things going for it in a rel in, in decks that are normally like, you know, comparing it to burn, like the things it can do with Breach, Burn can't even dream of doing. All right. The first prowess list in top eight. Yeah. Four Swift Spear, four Channeler, four Soul Scar, four Questing Druid. Prudent iteration, bolt, dart, bobble, a couple breaches, couple heats, couple mutagenics, a wild slash question mark. Does that get through ring? That's you what it's like for, ferocious, right? right? Yeah, you 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 pump up your power prowess guys and slash yourself and you can get through ring. I mean, yeah, but seems more cute than good. But who cares? Uh but I think most, like, the first, like, 55 cards in that deck are, like, relatively reasonably stock. And then, like, there's a huge amount of debate about the last handful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wouldn't, mind, wouldn't mind a Vapor Snag in there. Big Vapor Snag fan. Especially with Breach. Uh, sideboard has some Cursed Totems. Three Chalices. Love that. One Flame of Anor. Uh, two Stone of Eric. I don't like that very much. What is that? It's like the really bad anti-scam card. Oh. One mana artifact. Uh, if a creature an opponent controls would die, exile, you could pay two, tap, sack, draw a card. Man. Exile their graveyard or whatever. Oh, sell. So. Yeah, it was, it was cute in that, in theory, you could play it main deck because it's not completely dead. You can always cycle it, but it's like main deckable scam hate kind of. Listen, if you're trying to beat scam hate cards with things that cost one mana, like you need to win one of the post board games on the draw. Yep. You can't win a match without winning a game on the draw after sideboard. Yep. So I, also, yeah. I don't know. Maybe just don't care if you get scammed because you're yeah. 
your deck is like all one mana cards. Yeah, and I think that's something you've consistently done in virtually every modern deck that I've played with you over the last four months is you just want more answers to a scam greed. Yeah. So that when they scam you, you have more top decks to just kill. Yeah, yeah. Have, more, have more heats or flame slashes instead of wild slash. Yeah. Yeah, just like bolt it and then draw an iteration or a questing druid and you're back up on cards. Yeah, and you have Breach, too. Like, you have so many ways to recoup card advantage, preordain to find them. Like, it's not that bad. I'm I'm feeling this. It it looked good when I played against it. It sounds I mean, good to me against a lot of things that people are playing. Like, I, I, think the, I think the decks that overperformed this weekend were decks with a moderate amount of disruption that were capable of being really aggressive. So talk about the Death Shadow decks. There's like a couple hammer decks deep in both tournaments. I, I it just that just seems like kind of the what is succeeding right now. Kill them. You gotta kill them. Yeah, and I mean hammer, prowess, whatever, like these decks are playing cheap creatures and getting in some damage and then they also have ways to make their creatures big and like get through four fours and everything. And I think that that overall is just a very good recipe, especially against a deck that is probably going to be playing one spell a turn with like a free spell or two over the course of a game. You know, like they, they're trying to get to their three mana thing. Like that's their their big power spike. Hopefully you are on board by the time that this rolls around. And maybe it's not even that big of a deal. And in the case of the Prowess deck, you just have like chalices too to just make their deck even slower and worse. Uh, this is not bad. This sounds kind of cool. You got my attention. I'm going to try it. Because in terms of like saying that, oh, like burn is a consideration, this effectively is a better burn deck. The thing I like about burn is the one mana creatures and the fact that they can get in for like eight damage and maybe burn your opponent out. And the prowess deck, the creatures are like just... Higher ceiling, I guess, best way to put it. Yeah, and you, I mean, you have, you are much more capable of winning a game that's sort of like, like a weird broken game where you just play some iterations and kind of slog through stuff. I mean, this just has to fall into the class of another deck that fell out of the metagame, but is randomly good right now because Solitude is underplayed. I can buy that. What's the best solitude deck, Jerry? Omnath, yeah. probably. Yeah, that's and that's kind of where I've landed. Um, and I've been messing around with that under that logic, but varied degrees of success. I'm also like absolutely psychotically paranoid of the clock with that deck. Uh, I mean, you know me, I am too. So yeah. playing something like Prowess sounds hella good to me. Yeah, and the reason I struggle with it too is I played a couple of leagues with Omnath today. I just, I struggled, like, it. I thought it was going to be easier. I'm like, I found myself in the tank a bunch. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to play fast no matter what. I don't know if I have the reps for this. Yeah, you just, you kind of just have to do things. Yeah. You just have to take game actions. You cannot spend time thinking because you need to spend all the time, like, adjusting planeswalkers in your life total and shuffling and, like, you know, tapping the ring and uh, fable if you play it. Just stuff like that. There's just, like, too much going on in the deck. Yeah, the, the thing I've struggled the most with these different four and five color decks, and honestly, a good amount of decks in modern is it take some decks. It takes a long time to learn the sequencing and ordering of like when and which lands to fetch. 
And when you play a deck for a really long time, that just becomes automatic. Right? I could look at an opening hand with creativity and tell you which order to fetch your lands and which shock lands to get immediately. Yeah, but if I have like every game with Omnath. Yeah, if I have a if I have a hand with Omnath that's just like five spells, two fetch lands, and I have a, a halfling and something else, I it's not default for me which two shock lands I want. And it's going to take me time. And even if you tell me what the answer is, like I need to experience it myself to know when that's not the right answer and when to deviate from that to feel confident about it, which means I'm just like burning 90 seconds on that decision. Yeah, and it varies depending on your deck list. And I, I remember this happening where like there was some tournament where last minute I cut some two-mana card that was gold and that completely changed what combination of duels I was allowed to fetch because before it was like, oh, I also I'll always have to get A B because it casts like iteration and Eladomri's call or something. Yeah. Right. Or like Ice Fang Eladomri's call, whatever it was. And then I cut one of them and I was like, oh, now I can just do whatever the hell I want, but I didn't realize it. Yep. It changes everything. There was an there was a time where I was playing creativity like a year ago where you tried to convince me to change my trium versions, which triumphs I had and my mana base. And it was right before the tournament. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I was I wrong. I, well, I also just didn't do it under the logic of like, I don't know what order to fetch my lands if that's my mana base. And I know how this one works. Fair. No, once once you explained that you need to split your blue and white mana sources, it sure. made a world of sense to me. Yeah, but I'm more to, when I made the decision not to do it initially, like I wasn't even sure that you were wrong. I was just not comfortable switching because like I didn't know what the decision trees were with it. Yep, and that's completely fair, especially because that deck is also a little bit slow. Yeah. I also like the Omnath decks, it's it's so much harder than creativity because like in creativity, at least everything's a mountain, so every fetch land gets every land. True. Where there were multiple times with the four-color deck where I sat there and tanked about which shock land to get and then realized the fetch I had didn't get that shock land. Yeah, and occasionally there's like a stomping around in your graveyard. Yeah, and I'm just like, what the hell? So, um, yeah. I think there's only Omnath. one deck that you should play in Modern, and it's Rhinos, and there's a list of 15 other decks that you're allowed to play, but I think it's really hard to make an argument for anything other than Rhinos that you should play that. Um, but play the deck you know. What if the only deck I know is like Tier 4 Garbage? Maybe play it anyway. Tight. I'm in. I honestly, Wait, like, no, I don't I'll play think Browis. that's I'll play Browis. I take it back. I mean, I think we probably would have described both Death's Shadow and Prowess as Tier 4 garbage coming into the tournament, right? No, absolutely. But the difference is, is that I do know Death's Shadow, I don't know Prowess. So it's like, okay for me to play Shadow, it's not okay for me to play Prowess, but it, it does sound maybe slightly better against the field as a whole. Yeah, I like it. I think the other, like, uh, ways I look for decks when in the in situations like this is I, I like decks that have good sideboards when I'm not sure what to play, right? When I'm looking for inspiration. And that's like one of the things that's a, impressing me a little bit about this teamer deck is that like its sideboard looks pretty freaking sweet. Are you talking a lot about like, of like all the Stone of Eric's and stuff? Well, no, I mean, not, decks? not those, but like, listen, you get to play Chalices, you get to play Cursed Totems. Like there's a lot of high impact, powerful sideboard cards that are allowed to be played in this. And like, I don't want to keep ranting on creativity, but I think one of the biggest challenges creativity has is it has, I think, probably the single worst sideboard in all of modern. Kind of. Like, you, in theory, get to play 
quote unquote, whatever you want. But the problem is, is that the cards that you would normally want to play don't necessarily add cohesively to your main deck plan. Yeah. And on top of that, like chalice and explosives are not among the cards you can play because of what your deck is trying to do. So, yep. Okay, boys. Ultimate question, actually. Team of Prowess, 17 land deck, three color deck. How many surveillance you playing? I mean, I'm not playing 17 lands, that's for sure. I'm yeah, playing a surveillance. I, 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 I take it back. I'm not playing a surveillance. <laughs> oh, really? I, I wasn't. See, I don't play decks like this. So this wasn't when when I made my comment, like I wasn't even envisioning something like this as like a deck that I would I would ever have to make the choice about, you know? This so. to me, this to me functions the same way as Murktide and Shadow. And decks I think, like it. I want to use I, my mana every turn. I think this and Shadow are much more similar to each other than either of them is to Murktide. I do agree with that. It's certainly like scaling up towards mid-range. It is prowess into shadow into into Murktide, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. I still kind of want to play one. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. You are, but I, so if you think that 17 lands baseline is offensive, you would normally play 18. Are you saying you would play 19 with a surveil? Or I mean, or maybe I, like the thing I'm like the other thing I'm thinking through is like what's the staying power of the deck? And like I want decks that like if I have chances of winning like five and six like games that like are undecided on turn five, right? Where it's still close and it's unclear who's going to win. Then, like, my how much I want that surveillance is going to go way up. Sure, right. And I feel like when you're playing this deck, like one of the advantages it has is that, like, with breach and so, and question druid and some of these more powerful cards, like you do have a lot more staying power. The surveillance is particularly awkward with if, with questing druid and iteration, though. I think it's part of the problem. Uh, yeah. That's definitely true. Absolutely, like, true. it's super awkward. So, like, listen, you probably need to get to eighteen and maybe even nineteen lands before you even start considering it. But, like, I think they're powerful enough that, like, you get to put one in the deck and you get to, I guess it only gets to play, right now the lists have, like, eight fetch lands, which is, like, a little bit on the low side. Again, that's with 17 lands, though. Yeah. So, I guess if you add two lands to this, like, you, you get to add one, maybe two fetch lands. My major point about decks like this is that, again, Iteration, Westing Druid, Underworld Breach... To some degree, you have preordained Mistress Bobble to help find those cards. I feel like this is a deck that is very largely about velocity, which is about making your land drops, spending all of your mana every turn, and using that sort of ability to filter through cards to be building towards something powerful, which in this case is Underworld Breach. And Underworld Breach is also a card that wants you to make all of your land drops. And cards like Expressive Iteration and Questing Druid are much better at digging for action than they are digging for your land drop. Because if you're behind, you're about to miss land three. The last thing in the world you want to do is like have to fire off this card advantage spell, right? Rather than play to the board. So way more true with the Druid than iteration, but I I definitely agree with you a lot. uh, It is certainly more true with the Druid, but I, I think it is equally true with both of them. Yeah. I just like, I think this deck can win a lot of games where, like, you end the game with zero cards in your hand. And in some of these mid to late games, like, I think, I actually, I know one of Snook's opponents 
in the top eight that he lost to, uh, played one of the surveillance in like the mid game and like put a land in the graveyard and announced draw a card. Because what? like he announced draw a card is like it's effectively drawing a card when he put a uh, he surveilled a land into his graveyard that sure. like he wasn't going to draw, right? Yeah. So a lot of these decks that, you know, can stop and still function on three lands, I think there's like some arguments to like how powerful one of them can be. Right now, the problem is we keep going back and forth on like it's disastrous to draw it, right? So it's going to come down to like having it in your deck and not drawing it is very powerful. How how you know the cost is very significant too, though. Can we agree that maybe they are better in decks that otherwise do not have a lot of access to things like preordain, expressive iteration, questing druid? Yeah, I think for sure, right? Because the, the, that's why they slot into rhinos so naturally is because like. Rhino is the only cards they're playing on turns one and two are generally interactive, which require your opponents to do something to, for you to even want to cast them. Yep. So being able to play a fetch land, decide if you want to play your interactive spell later, and if you don't, then surveil is like obnoxiously strong. I agree. And that is why I fully support them in that deck. Yeah. But all these other decks that you're talking about are like, you know preordained decks effectively or whatever yeah no yeah the, the, like the, this prowess deck is a deck that like you would never want to fetch it in any of your good draws which is not true with rhinos and very true with the necro deck and you only are going to get it when things are going wrong we did it we found we found the one deck that maybe we can agree on i might st I, I still think you should play one. Oh my I, god i do oh i would still god. i still would play one I'm matt where are you at I I don't think I don't think I would play one in this stock, um, but I do think I mean it as a uniquely high number of cards that cost one and that you it has a you a, a uniquely high number of proactive cards that cost one. Um, like I don't think I don't think it's that I don't I think that if if you if you have a deck that has a lot of cards that cost one, but a lot of them are reactive, I think that makes the these lands a lot better um and so yeah i agree that we maybe we maybe found a place that that doesn't want them um yo i i do think that what an interesting i thought I, an interesting thought i had while we were talking about this was that the existence of these lands probably like changes some of the places that you want preordain like i think like if i were playing like a control deck i would rather just play like a bunch of fetch lands and surveil lands and more lands and not play preordain or something like that i'm down with that yeah i buy that 100 percent. especially because the blue white control decks i want to play like two chalices main right yeah this also helps my castle come into play untapped oh my god <laughs> <laughs> all right that might have been a troll from you, no. Okay. Teamer Prowess, right? We're talking about playing a Vapor Snag for Murktide Regent. Sideboards of these decks I'm looking through are like cast into fire. Uh, Ancient Grudge sometimes. I just saw one that had two Terra Sunders in the sideboard. No black mana. Just doing it raw. That's bold. Terra Sunders bold. Have y'all ever heard of Pick Your Poison? No, nobody has yet. Nobody's people that have not. That card is on, legal now. It, it's busted. Pick Your Poison's great. Pick Your Poison is going to get underplayed for a while. I also think, like on random newer cards that have been printed, 
change the equations. Another card I still think gets underappreciated, but no, true. Just Very triggered true. a thought because I just I don't think people appreciate these newer, especially commons that are like relatively weak and standard in these eternal formats. Yeah, Flame of Venor, Destructive Revelry. These are all cards that are in their sideboard, and man, pick your poison looks real good. Yeah. You you have you're never gonna lose to Murktide. You don't have to play the silly vapor snag if you don't want to. And I say never gonna lose because you always have the ability to like back up cast it with Underworld Breach if you need to. So Yeah, like and I also think that like there's a like a non zero chance people are gonna bring in chalice against you. Oh, of course. Yeah. And because like chalice for one against you is just kind of cracked. So like the, I guess pick your poison doesn't actually work in that spot. Well, but. I I don't I don't want pick your poison to be your only artifact enchantment removal. Right? Yeah, no, I was trying to think of places it hedged. So, yeah, uh, I will I will dig out my soul scar mages. I don't know if I'm in a position to be able to do that. Well, yeah, I'm free rolling the tournament because I do not give a shit. No, I'm more man. I don't know that I have Soul Scar Mages. Oh, you can borrow mine. Yeah. <laughs> no, you just told me you're digging yours out. That means for you. No, I, I am digging them out. And I do, at least in this second, intend to play them. Yeah. But I, I also have six very hot Death Shadow deck lists that I could be tempted by if yeah. you wanted them. Well, the fact that you have six makes me want them less. If you had one that you were very excited about, that would be a lot more interesting. I'm excited by all of them, Dave. Yeah, I know that. And I told you, I think the biggest problem is it's incredibly unclear which one is the right one. Uh, logically, I think it's Rakdos. I think Rakdos too. But I also like love the blue sideboard cards, but not the main deck cards. I also think it's hilarious that one of the shadow decks that won the modern challenge is just mono black splash preordained. Oh yeah, I still have not seen this deck, by the way. Yeah, it's just preordains that I think I think there's preordain and like two other blue cards in the main deck. That's dope. Well, you now you can just cut those preordains for surveillance. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's actually freaking true. Oh. Uh, okay, this is a Murktide challenge. I want to talk about this mono black deck. I don't see it. Challenge 32, challenge 64. I got to find it. 96? Was it that one? Yeah, it might have been. Come on, Moto. Load. This was in one of our chats, Ooh. Matt. Where was it? Okay. One Murktide, one Tide Binder, one Borrower, or Preordain. Yeah, that's it. Xenoan. So, so, so I guess I lied. It's Whoa. Three. Wait. Dude, they're Grixis. Yeah, they have red sideboard cards. Two Alpine Moon, three. Fa you just change colors after board? What is going on here? Yeah. Dude, there's a victim of night? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, it's kind of great, but it's... Well, if you're mono black, victim of night's way more defensible. Uh, sure. Uh, like, you have you have a blood crypt. There's, like, you're playing Death Shadow. There's bitter triumph. I don't know. Not untrue. It's better when you have Inti in your deck. I just... These are the reasons why Shadow makes me nervous. Because... People are doing wildly different things. They're doing wildly different things, and this deck won the tournament, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, whereas, like, I could look at Rhino's deck, and if I say this Rhino's deck is crazy, it's probably four cards different. Yeah, uh, so they beat Body Kang and the KG. Uh, KG was Murktide. Uh, Body Kang was... Ooh, this is... 
is not a a good thing in the favor of the mono black splash brewer and shadow deck. They beat Merfolk in top eight. I can't believe Merfolk's still a thing. Murktide won two of the challenges? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I don't understand how Murktide keeps winning. I have no idea. All right, whatever. I'm closing it all. Closing it all down. I'll see you in three days. Yeah, it's just, it's going to make me worse. I just got to put all this crap away, go back to my notebook, and that's it. Let's play some games tomorrow. Yeah, I guess we should do that. I mean, are we going to play with Shadow Soul? Because that was the plan, but now we have a new plan. I think that we should go to bed, wake up, and follow our hearts. You can go to bed now. I will go to bed at 6 a.m., and I will see you at 10 a.m. I want a better rested Jerry than that, but okay. I am very good on four hours of sleep, at least insofar as the last week and a half or so, because that is all I've gotten. Matt, what are the odds one of us met registers Monastery Swift Spear this week? Uh, 33%. That's ridiculously high, but I actually am very excited by that. What are the... It, are the, uh, the is the is the most likely number of Swiss beers we register zero or twelve? I think I mean I think zero is more likely than twelve. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. I more just mean, do you want zero, twelve, or the field? <laughs> I want the field. <laughs> okay. What I mean, if one of my tw- what if one of my shadow decks has Swiss beer in it? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Does that change anything? <laughs> it doesn't. It that's doesn't. preposterous, Jerry. It doesn't. Ah. Uh, Matt, play one LCQ. That's it. Yeah, Commit I'm, to one I, LCQ. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I will. I'm. I'm. I'm sure I will. Especially if they. Especially if they get started early on Friday. Remember, it is a Laughing Dragon event. It is not a Dreamhack event. So big, I think. I think big that fan of the Laughing here. Dragon guys. Okay, I've not been to any of their events. I know a lot of them, personally, but I, I have also not been to any of their events. Um, but where are they based out of? I think like Seattle, Van- Van- Vancouver. Got it. West Coast. No. Or- it, it is around Seattle. Uh, okay. I, I can. It's like north of Renton, south of Bellevue. Yeah. Explains why we don't interact with them much. And it explains why I know them. They were uh, they were extremely helpful for the first couple of RCs when it was impossible to get cards and. Uh, they were, I don't know, they were one of the vendors that just seemed like were really committed to like actually making sure that they could help people with that. And so I, that was just something I really appreciated. And then they kind of doubled down by like having a tournament series and getting invested and stuff like that. And so it just struck me as, uh, as like they're, they seem like people who want the competitive scene to thrive. Yeah. Uh, okay. So looking at a map, I want to say Issaquah or Sammamish. I yeah. don't want to say those. Yeah. I also have no idea what you're talking about. The areas north of the East Renton Highlands. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I barely know. know what state Seattle's in, so, like, let's not take it too much further. Issaquah. They are in Issaquah. Dude, they would have been they, they would have been my LGS had I continued living in the place where I live. Could have been. Could have been. Instead, I moved in March of 2020 and then didn't leave my house for four years. Cool. Yeah. M- most life decisions that were made in February, March of 2020 did not end up well for anyone. Like, yeah, I agree. So, unfortunate. Closing thoughts, anyone? I'm excited. We didn't talk about standard at all. I also, I played I played a little bit of Arena with the uh, new set today and it was fun and I'm excited about it. 
great. It's just Clue. Yeah. I love the flavor. I thought it was freaking oh. awesome. Okay. I, I was games. actually wondering, like, I know that there are going to be people who like it, but I was like, who specifically is this targeted at? And it's it, like, I guess it's dads. I don't know, man, but I just, I, I found myself chuckling a little bit and it's definitely like pushed how at the flavor. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which is, which is fun. Did you see the the elephant detective? The three two. I don't three, know. It's three, right? It's like the elephant eavesdropper guy, where it's like this elephant being a spy while he's also wearing a detective hat. It's like, well, the hat says you're a detective, and you're an elephant wearing a hat, so that's sus. And also, like, I can see you because you're an elephant. You know, it's it is ridiculous. It sounds like a suspect to me. We'll see. I haven't played any of the games. You know, yeah. you'd you'd know more than uh, I just. Than I, I, I didn't. I didn't read a lot of the cards. I started playing some sealed and draft, and I would read the abilities, and then I would read what they did, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense," and that just happened a bunch. Okay, which is very satisfying. Awesome. Right, like if you're a suspect, you have menace, and you can't block. Like you're running away. Yeah, like makes sense. I'll see you guys in two days. Game. Good luck.